Just a heads up that in this podcast, you'll hear young people talking about what it was like for them when their mental health wasn't at its best. If you or someone you know needs support, visit headspace.org.au, where there are heaps of different ways to connect with someone who can listen, answer your questions and help. Plus, there's a big list of other services you could try, like Lifeline or Kids Helpline, in our show notes. I'd stay up really late at night time. I just felt like um, night time was when everyone's asleep. There's like it's I'm alone and um, I'm not. I don't have to go to school or do anything. I don't have to worry about talking to people and leaving my room. And I just watch YouTube until early hours in the morning, and then I'd have to wake up early hours in the morning to go to school. So then, yeah, I would wake up so tired and that's instantly put me in a bad mood um, for the whole day. But yeah, sleep has a massive impact on actually how you feel. Yeah. Yeah, it does. But still, it's really familiar. And that could be the experience of your friend, your son, your student. That is the experience of Luke. He really struggled with sleeping when his mental health wasn't great. And that's what this episode is about. Sleep that doesn't come. Hey, I'm Penny Terry and you're listening to Get Psyched. It's a podcast from Headspace Launceston and I've learned that sleep for young people can be tricky for all sorts of reasons. Yeah, we can't just blame YouTube or our phones. And by the end of this episode, we'll also learn that there are all sorts of ways to get our sleep routines back in check and it can happen really quickly. So strap yourself in as we get some strategies from clinicians and hear about the difficulties from young people like Luke about the impact sleeplessness can have. I lived off um, iced coffee for a year. I got one every, every day before the bus. Um, and, yeah, I'd still feel tired and moody throughout the whole day. I'd wake up late, so I'd sleep the whole day um, just so I, I wouldn't have to talk to people, be around people. And by the time I got up, it was like 5, 6 o'clock in the afternoon. So I've slept the whole day. Yeah, it's tea time. Get up, some, have something to eat, come back to bed. Um, I'd pretty much lived in my room. Um, I pretty much, yeah, stuck myself to my um, computer, stay up late hours of the day, like four or five o'clock in the morning and do it again. Um, yeah, it wasn't a good way to cope with it, but that's what I did. Um, I knew that what I was doing wasn't the good, like the right thing to do, but that's just where I was at at that moment. Like four, four hours sleep a night's not exactly healthy, but... Um, that's what I was living off. So, how did you how did you change that routine? Um, well, after I started getting help, I realized the factors on why I'm feeling bad, and realized that sleep was a big factor in that. Yeah, getting a good night's sleep can actually make you feel positive and energetic for the next day. So, changed uh, my sleeping pattern. And actually decided, all right, I'm, I want to fix myself and um, get enough sleep and actually do stuff the next day. I want to go out and do all these things I've never done, I've missed out on and that sort of thing. And I think it's only been a recent click, probably last year, 
I'm like, I can't do this to myself every day. I feel shit every day. I'm just not going to care what people think anymore. Like getting up to feel shit, it's not how I want to live my life. I want to do stuff with myself. And it was definitely a hard switch, but once it clicked, it's it's definitely changed who I am. Most definitely. I'm sure issues still come up. And if I still think about the past, yeah, it gets me emotional, but I've lived it and I, I can tell the um, story and if it helps someone then that's honestly a plus for me um because i yeah like i said i just want to be the person that i needed when i was younger Something that I learned in creating this podcast is that everyone really is dealing with their own stuff. And for Luke, getting a good night's sleep helped him do the dealing. If you had a think about your last week of sleep, how did you go? And when sleep is hard, what is it that's making it hard? For Liz, getting to sleep wasn't the problem. Um, I think like I was just so scared of going to sleep. Like it wasn't even that I couldn't really get to sleep. I was just so worried that there were so many things happening in my head that once I went to sleep, I wasn't going to be able to pick what I was thinking about. So staying awake meant that, you know, I could at least try and distract myself and that I wasn't going to be forced into having nightmares or thinking about things I didn't want to think about. I had so many nights where I'd like wake up in a panic, like I'd be sweating, I'd be, you know, disorientated um, and I sleep next to my partner who then wakes up and he's freaking out and then we're both wide awake. Yeah, like I, I wasn't sure if it was actually happening to me or um, if it was a dream, if it was a nightmare and then you reflect upon it later and you're like, did this really happen? Like is this an accurate representation? Have I like put a spin on it so I can deal with it or, you know, have I over-exaggerated? Yeah, like I just didn't fully trust myself in what I was thinking. What about the impact that being tired all the time has on you and I guess how the other people around you reacted to that? Yeah, it's pretty hard. Like you're trying to get through your day-to-day stuff and you're tired. You don't do things to 100%. Um, You know, when it gets to school, um, you're not doing the best that you can. You're not doing as much as you can. Um, When it comes to the workplace, you know, sometimes you can miss minor details um, and then people start to get frustrated with you if you're not pulling your weight, things like that. Um, Sport, you know, if you don't turn up to training, people are like, come on, like what's going on? You know, it's a team thing, you need to be here. But sometimes you just can't bring yourself to do it and, you know, as hard as it is to explain. Like I haven't had many bad experiences where I've gone, look, I'm just too tired, I've got too much going on that I can't do this. People are like, yeah, you know, like you've got to look after yourself, um, you know, do what you need to do, um, you know, just try, try and have a bit of communication with people you don't need to be like 100% open but just so that they're aware so that it's not like an awkward encounter next time you turn up. Now I know the psychoeducation needs to come from the clinicians. I also know there's something else we get out of hearing these types of experiences and I think we're going to get a word for it by the end of this episode. For some people, sleep has always been an issue. 
Let's hear how Ella explains it. I have always had an appalling sleep pattern, just never been somebody who could go to bed and a few minutes later be asleep. I would be up thinking. When I was little, I loved listening to audiobooks, but I'd get so excited about what would happen next that I'd stay up with it. And now that I'm older, I'll hit, my friends will be like, oh, why do you go to bed so early? Because they're like going to bed at like one o'clock in the morning and then still on their phone till two. And I'm like, how the heck do you function? I don't, I don't function very well. And I like, I start, I'll see the time in between like 9.30 and 10 is when I, I won't go to bed necessarily, but is when I put down my phone and I go, right, I need to brush my teeth and put on my pyjamas and have some water, maybe double check I've got everything happening for tomorrow, like, so that I'm in bed a lot earlier than everyone else and I'm lying there and then you're there and, oh, all these thoughts and you're not getting to sleep. And so now I've reverted back now that I'm older to having audiobooks with me, but rather than keeping me awake, they're keeping me from negative thoughts because I'm concentrating on that, which is really good. What's it like when you are in that thing and you're going, I need to go to sleep, I need to go to sleep, but I can't go to sleep, but I need to go to sleep? I mean, what what's happening for you? Oh, I definitely counted on the clock going, now if I fall asleep in the next 10 minutes and I'll have this many hours of sleep and I'll be okay. Oh, well, I'll... I'll be tired, but I'll survive on this many hours if I can just get to sleep now. Like, oh, well, you've got a free line then. You can close your eyes and have a little break. Like, you're trying to think of all of these things of how the heck you're going to survive tomorrow if you don't get the sleep that you need. Yeah. I don't know where you're at, but I'm there in my bed remembering those moments when the sleep just doesn't come and the worry starts which is something that Shana knows all too well. During the night, I would wake up probably basically every hour of the night just because my mind would race so much and I would have paranoia of what could happen the next day and what's to come ahead of that. And because I was up all the time, I would go on my phone which also made it even worse for me to get back to sleep and being on my phone would also bring me a lot more paranoia. It's like we know these things but we can't help doing them. I mean what fight were you having with yourself while you were thinking I'm not going to be on my phone but I can't sleep? Yeah you know I knew that I couldn't sleep and I knew that I probably shouldn't have been on my phone but because I couldn't sleep I still done it anyway because I was just like, well, what's the point in even trying to go to sleep now? And I'd only be on there for five minutes and then five minutes would turn into like two hours. And, yeah. What sorts of things have helped with the sleeplessness? Uh, In the beginning I did go on sleeping tablets, which helped me just get drowsy enough to sleep during all through the night. Um, But also the more that I talked to somebody, the more I got – off my chest the less that my mind raced and yeah the less paranoia I had and yeah the less that I had to think about. I'm wondering which of those pretty different experiences of sleeplessness is familiar to you or someone you care about. 
And I guess it's not surprising that they're all different experiences because, as Headspace clinician Danielle Jackson says, sleep tends to come up pretty early on when she's talking with young people. I would say it's a very common problem um, rather than a big problem. So I would say 90% of young people I talk to would be you know, looking at that and I might ask them how much sleep they get and they mightn't realise that someone you know, in their teenage years actually needs nine hours of sleep rather than six or seven. So a lot of young people I talk to are running short on sleep, definitely. I feel like I want to ask two questions here, and that is how does sleep affect our mental health? But then I'm wondering if the question is how does our mental health affect our sleep? And I, I, I don't know which one comes first or if they both come at the same time. Yeah, it is a good old chicken and egg <laughs> discussion, definitely. Um, so good sleep. Um, definitely helps your mental health. Um, So yeah, if you can get a good solid nine hours as a young person, that's going to put you in best position to be able to concentrate, do all the things you enjoy doing, study well. And if, yeah, same thing, if sleep's off the rails, definitely will be impacting your mood, irritability, um, you know, how you can get along with people in your life. If you can get to school, because um, people keep distracted and busy all day. So as soon as you go to bed, your brain goes, ah, now we've got time to worry. Let's use this time where you're, you finally stopped and settled to think about all the problems of the world. Is that why things seem worse at night time? Definitely, because you've slowed down and the busy day is finally settled. So your brain goes, oh, this is an opportunity to think about all the things. What, what's going on then in our brains when we don't get enough sleep? Yeah, really good question. So when we're not getting enough sleep, our brain's trying to catch up and get more sleep wherever it can. So it'll be trying to save time and um, that's when people be zoning out in class or, you know, they'll start getting irritable. You might be more hungry, get more, you know, cues to eat a bit more. Um, yeah, you might want to be a bit more active, so you might feel like you need you can't sit still. Um, yeah, so a whole range of things can happen when we're sleep deprived, definitely. Are you recognising some of these things? If not in you, perhaps in someone else. Just think about who you were with today. And I wonder that now we know all the things that sleep can impact, if we'll always be wondering about people's sleep, and whether we might have made judgments a little too quickly in the past. Because there are some common themes that mental health clinician Caroline Fain has heard plenty of times before. There is a bit of an unhelpful narrative that, you know, um, adolescents are lazy. Um, But they're not. They actually need more sleep developmentally because their brain's doing an awful lot of pruning. Um, And what I mean by pruning is not like pruning your roses. (laughs) There's lots of connections in the brain that are sort of pruning and doing all sorts of funky things. (laughs) Um, So they need sleep. Because that's when the pruning happens, when they're asleep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So (laughs) I think... The tricky thing for adolescents as well, it's such a massive time of change. So stress can happen really quickly. And one of the telltale signs for some people is that their sleep gets disrupted. I think, look, and I, you know, I can see young people rolling their eyes at me, but one of the other things that's tricky to manage is also screen time for a lot of young people because of the blue light in the screens, which I know a lot of people know about now, is that that can definitely impact on our quality of sleep. So, you know... Young people now are growing up with so much technology. Um, 
there's almost an expectation for them to be on some sort of screen at some point in time. Um, but that can, if we don't manage those kinds of things, then it can definitely impact on sleep pretty quickly. I'd imagine a bit of that is about forming good habits in the environment, in your bedroom, in the house. Yes, definitely, because our brain loves associations. So what fires together, wires together. I know that's cool, isn't it? Uh, So, for example, if I'm stressed in my bed... Um, and I stay in my bed and I'm tossing and turning, especially we say for more than 20 minutes, our brain will start to associate our bed um, with feeling stressed. So it's really important then that young people get up, get out of their bedroom, have a break and then try, go back to bed and try again later. Um, So it's important that bed is really reserved for sleep um, rather than also sitting up on my laptop trying to pump out an assignment. Um, Because then, of course, our brain will look at our bed and think that that's where I do my work or watch movies. Uh, So it's important that we remember that. Our brain is really complex, isn't it? Oh, yes. Annoying. We don't know half of what it does. I have no doubt. Now, I can imagine that having or even just hearing these conversations about sleep and about devices, which we'll get to, could also feel a bit annoying and also complex. So how do we handle these conversations and what should we expect? Let's check back in with Danielle, who is an old hand at the sleep conversation. I find most people are pretty open to it. Occasionally, if you start asking a bit more about it, they might become a bit defensive about why their sleep is the way it is or that I can't change it for this reason or that reason. So, yeah, I find if someone is getting a bit defensive, I just sort of back off with the um, interrogation and just say, tell me a bit more about it. So open your questions up a bit more rather than yes-no questions will help with talking about that. How quickly can our sleeping routines get out of whack? Very quickly. And um, also you can get them back in check very quickly is the good side of that. So it doesn't take long to throw out your sleep routine. It could be one all-nighter you pulled or if you're up for like a gaming party or you had a event on, then the next day you feel a bit out of whack. But the good news is you can get it back under control fairly quickly. So within a few days. Okay, so let's talk about getting them back in whack then. Get the routines back. What are some good things we can do to set up a good, well, some good sleep hygiene, as I think the phrase is? Yeah, that's right. Um, So if someone's sort of resetting their sleep pattern, what I would say is um, start with the morning because you can't make yourself fall asleep, but you can make yourself get out of bed. As hard as it is, you can do it. If we focus on the morning side of it, we can um, then get the time that you fall asleep in the evening will fall in line with that. One of the things that the young people that are part of this podcast talked about was that it was on purpose, the sleeping in, because they didn't want to deal with the day. Um, How common are you hearing that? Yeah, yeah, it can be part of that avoidance pattern that goes with anxiety and not wanting to get started with the day because your thoughts are winding up about how it could go wrong. That's definitely part of it too. How do we have those conversations and make it feel okay to to get up earlier if that's where we're going to start. Yeah, I guess checking in with the young person around what's going on at school that you feel like you want to avoid and tell me a bit more about what would make it easier to go to school. Like, yeah, seeing what sort of solutions they might have in mind. What about, and I don't know if I'm even allowed to ask this, but to get the sleep routine back in whack to just get up and not do those things that are making you anxious for a first couple of days to get you back in in that habit. 
Yeah, sometimes we have to be a bit careful with avoidance because we can set up what's called a safety behaviour. So like a good example might be if someone had their lucky socks, that might be their safety behaviour. And then the problem is that, you know, the day the socks are in the wash, you can't go to school. So, yeah, trying to do little things that sort of help you relax um, or problem solve whatever the issue is with getting to school will definitely help. Um, so trying to um, challenge avoidance where you can is is helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Not the ideal solution. Yeah, it's yeah. not ideal, but it does happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we started with, with the morning. So what, what are we doing? How do we, how do we start getting up earlier in the morning? Yeah. Okay. So setting an alarm. A lot of people I talk to, they might rely on someone else to come in, open the door and shout out and wake up. Um, but I do encourage people to take their own, you know, initiative with that and talk to them about like what time actually suits them to set the alarm so rather than me sitting here saying you need to set an alarm for seven o'clock going what works for you and and what time do you think you need to get up and how much time can you save in the evening (laughs) to give yourself a bit more time in the morning consistency is really important so just because you have free lines on some days doesn't necessarily mean it's helpful to get up later some days and earlier other days what about for days that people aren't going to school uh, weekends maybe or days where people aren't going to work I do encourage people not to do anything radically different. So if you're up at 8 o'clock every day, don't then sleep in to lunchtime on the weekend if you can avoid it. I know that's a really tempting thing, but if you've had trouble with your sleep routine and really struggling with getting a good sleep, um, at least trying to get a consistent pattern for a couple of weeks before you look at trying out things like that is a good idea. But, yeah, not always a popular solution. People do love a weekend sleep in. (laughs) What other things can we do in the home, in our sleeping environments to help us um, with our sleep hygiene? Yeah, things that help is um, definitely planning something a bit active when you first get up because if you've planned to get up at 8 o'clock but then have nothing to do and then go sit on the couch and feel sleepy, it doesn't really help. So if you can get up and if you've got a pet to motivate you, that's always great. Go feed them or spend time with your pet. If there's something exercise-wise you can do at home, just a quick 10 minutes to wake your body up, that sort of stuff can really help. Yeah. You've mentioned a lot of strategies for good sleep hygiene, but I'd imagine getting started on some of these things is a bit tricky. (laughs) How hard is it to build these new routines? Yeah, it can be tricky building up a new routine. So what I do explore with people, what's a towards move or something just a little bit different to what you're already doing that you'd be happy to try out. So maybe people don't try everything at once. It might be if they were having a lot of energy drinks, they look at cutting them down by half and then build on their successes as they notice a difference. And I would also put it as like a behavioural experiment. I'll say to the person, uh, like particularly with the example of trying to cut out TV or watching movies in bed, that's not a very popular suggestion. But I say to people, look, if it's not making any difference for you and you try it out for a week or two, go back to what you were doing, but just see, see what works for you. What can we do in our homes to help us not want to be on our phones right up to bedtime i wonder if there are other kind of routines we can set up um so that it's not on the table so to speak yeah definitely that's something i would talk to people about setting their own sleep routine so it might be about you know do you read for a little while some people i find that's a bit hit or miss like some people it'll sort of keep them more awake if they've got a really good book and they'll want to stay up later and other people will read a chapter or two and they read to sleep um yeah trying to have like a herbal tea before bed reduce your caffeine have a bath or a shower that's really helpful because it gets your temperature up a little bit and as that naturally drops down you feel a bit sleepy um, just anything sort of sensory or relaxing in the evening uh, people who like to draw or 
you know, a bunch of other things, just sit around chat with your family. <laughs> Some of the stuff that you're saying sounds like there would be people listening going, I know I'm meant to do that. I know I'm meant to do that. But one, it's my mental health is in a place where it is too hard. It's too overwhelming. And I know it's making things worse, but I'm just letting it because fixing it feels harder than letting it get worse. Um, yeah. Do you have those conversations with young people? Yeah, sometimes people struggle to find where their starting point might be. So I might ask them about how else they bring support in. So whether it's their partner or their family member can sort of prompt them a little bit if they want that. You know, if their room's a really cluttered space and it's hard to relax in and you're too stressed to start cleaning your own room, asking someone to chip in and help you with sorting some things, that's a common one. And often like with introducing something like mindfulness, I would do it in a session with someone so they've got that shared experience of it and like a reference point because if I say, oh, go away and try this app, no one does, but if we do it together and then I say, what did you notice, what worked about that, what didn't, you're more likely to go try it again. So just, yeah, try and do it alongside the person, go gently with where they're at and find your starting spot. So, you got a better idea about a starting spot? It's funny how hearing all of these strategies can make us feel. For you, it might have given you heaps of ideas, but for others, it might have felt overwhelming, or it might have just felt like the same stuff you've already tried. So if you're feeling like you need more, something else, let's check back in with Liz, Ella and Shana to find out what worked for them. You know, just being able to debrief before I go to bed and go to sleep, be able to talk about everything that I'm worried about, um, got a weighted blanket, which is awesome, really love that, you know, just tins me down in one spot and that's it, you're there for the night. Um, but, yeah, being able to debrief, get things off your mind, um, be able to talk through situations um, so that if it pops up in a nightmare, you can kind of differentiate between what's real and what's not. When I wasn't talking about it and just going to sleep, I wasn't sure if it was actually happening to me or um, if it was a dream, if it was a nightmare. So being able to talk through it before I go to bed, then I can go, right, I've dealt with this. If it pops up again, I know it's not real. My parents know my routine of trying to put myself to bed between that sort of 9.30, 10. And they, if I've got distracted with homework or talking to a friend, they'll go, hey, Ella, it's after 10, don't you normally? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, we've recently, fairly recently, got a new kitten and her bedtime's 9.30, so that helps as well. Well, like Ella said, I have a dog which comes to bed with me and so you know, her going to sleep, I guess helps me also go to sleep just and also because some paranoia of just like when I'm awake by myself I do get paranoia of like things happening outside the house and everything like that and because she's there like I feel safe and that helps. And as the music builds remember at the start when I said that the psychoeducation needs to come from those professionally trained But there's something else that hearing the experience of young people brings. Well, here's Luke's take on that. Like, I feel like um, counsellors and that sort of thing, now they're trained in their job, but I feel like for a younger audience, if we had someone that's had the same issues through life and how they've dealt with it, it would actually help more 
Like I'm so thankful for the people that have helped me become more of the person I want to be and how they've affected my life. Like I'll be forever grateful. But now I feel like it's it's my turn to do that for someone else when I know that I needed someone. I didn't have anyone. But yeah, relatability is a huge factor. So maybe that, maybe that's the word I was looking for. And different things will help different people. But the thing that we all share is we all need to sleep. Okay, there have been heaps of strategies explained in the last half hour, but if you prefer a list or a link to click on, then check out our show notes. Plus, you'll also find a big list of places that you can check in with now if you or someone you know needs help with their mental health. And please remember that this is just a podcast that's about helping us all to understand how our minds work. It's not about giving you individual advice. Yeah, don't use a podcast for that. There are heaps of way better places to go and you'll find heaps of links in the show notes. In our next episode, the psychoeducation continues. Just so many little things that build up and people just don't understand like why why you why would you not brush your teeth why would you feel like you're doing things wrong but to just turn around to someone and say oh I don't want to brush my teeth because I feel like I'm gonna get judged they're like what the hell like (laughs) seriously next episode we find out what's happening when that day-to-day stuff becomes too hard My name is Penny Terry and you've been listening to Get Psyched, a podcast from Headspace Launceston. This podcast is supported by funding from Primary Health Tasmania through the Australian Government Primary Health Networks Program.